This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Now, last night I was at, there was a triple shooting chad brown housing project in providence now right now still waiting for word i've heard that they did get the vehicle that was involved in it meaning they located a vehicle that they had <clears throat> excuse me had been looking for but um if you'd like to see the video it is obviously on facebook to the facebook live and then um we'll have it up it is posted actually on youtube on our youtube channel as well so it was um and you don't know we don't know exactly you know what happened and the police are still investigating this but i know that one of the individuals was was shot in the head another one shot in the leg other one um happened this happened eight o'clock last night june street which is uh right in the chad brown section all three men i think believed to be in their 20s two of the victims very very seriously hurt so and wounded i should say so if you'd like to see that video uh that's up we have that as well something also to watch is these multi-state state cyber attacks this is also one of those things that that we have to adapt to businesses have to adapt to people have to adapt to um this situation with these cyber attacks are just brutal in how they can, you know, completely throw off in these Chinese hackers that are trying to right now, you know, really disrupt things in, in our world. Uh, I believe it came out that, you know, the large majority of them are, in fact, coming uh, it's it's from China that's doing it. Maybe some of them are Russian, but I think a lot of them, in fact, it's it's uh, Chinese hackers that have been, you know, doing that and trying to go along with it. Uh, and but it's it's a never ending battle that they're trying to infiltrate and cause disruption. I, I also want to remind people now it is true that without question um there was no russian collusion with the trump campaign in 2016 even though hillary and some of the others were always saying that and the whole investigation about it but but it doesn't mean that there wasn't um it doesn't mean that that there wasn't some Russian interference, meaning it doesn't mean that they were not trying to interfere with our election. And and that should not be missed. And that should not be forgotten in any way. So now there's another story in the news, uh, the latest now. It's interesting that Idaho accused killer, where they say killed Boy, that uh, story last fall details the alleged alibi of the man killing the four University of Idaho students has been revealed for the first time. And now his attorney is saying he was on a, a long ride the night of that. I want to play this to a piece. New development in the Idaho College murders case. Attorneys for the man accused of killing four students last November revealing their client's alibi. However, it's raising more questions about his exact whereabouts on the night of the crimes. NBC's Gotti Schwartz joins us with more. Hey, Gotti. Hey, good morning, Hoda. Yeah, Brian Koberger's team filed that alibi Thursday evening, responding to a request by the prosecution. Now, the defense is claiming their client was driving by himself at the time of the murder, but say more details will come out during trial. 
This morning, Brian Koberger's alleged alibi revealed for the first time. Koberger's attorneys say he was on a long drive alone the night four University of Idaho students were murdered in November. In a new four-page court filing, the defense says Mr. Koberger has long had a habit of going for drives alone. Hmm. Often he would go for drives at night. Sure he, does. he did so late on November 12th and into November 13th, 2022. But beyond that, the defense didn't reveal much more in the alibi, adding Mr. Koberger is not claiming to be at a specific location at a specific time. There is not a specific witness to say precisely where Mr. Koberger was <laughs> at each moment well, around good. the time the murders took place. They wanted to comply with the rules, not be precluded from an alibi defense, but give the state as little as they possibly could so they don't have to reveal their hand. However, the defense did say it's possible corroborating evidence of the alibi could be provided by witness testimony during the trial that's scheduled to begin in October. Koberger is charged with four counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Kaylee Gonzalez, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin. An Idaho judge entering a not guilty plea on Koberger's behalf. At the center of the case, a white Hyundai Elantra. A month before the murders, Koberger was pulled over by police seen here driving alone in a white Hyundai Elantra. He ran the red light. Following the killings, investigators focusing on a similar car seen near the crime scene the morning of the murders. If he was driving around in a white automobile, that's part alibi, part not an alibi, because the state is saying that... He was driving around in a white automobile. Now, the next time we're going to see Koberger in court will be August 18th. That's what his defense team is expected to push to get the judge to dismiss the grand jury indictment. Meanwhile, the family of Kaylee Gonzalez says they look forward to that hearing and they hope the judge will make decisive decisions to keep the case on track for an October trial. Yeah. All right. Got it. Schwartz for us. Yeah, that should be an interesting trial. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot, J. Letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730, online at jperrypaving.com, and look for them on Facebook. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, joining us right now, boy, there's a lot of been news about UFOs, especially the testimony on the Hill. Joining us right now from the Hill is Daniel, and Daniel, I want to make sure I pronounce your last name correctly. Is it Devise? Devise. Devise. Okay, Daniel, it's the John DePietro Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, I find your story intriguing that, in the headline, the truth is out there. More Americans believe in UFOs. Yeah. Um, You know, I was inspired to write it, obviously, because uh, it's been in the news uh, the congressional hearings last week were, um, you know, kind of surreal. And I, I, I'm a data guy. I do demographic trends and just, you know, trend lines pointing up or pointing down. So I wanted to see if all of this, you know, federal interest in UFOs had moved the needle in terms of uh, people's belief in UFOs. And take us through um, exactly what you found. And, and I'm also curious uh daniel i agree the hearings are extraordinary you know there's it's definitely i think there is a stigma attached to it because a lot of times in the past a lot of the talks seem to be reserved for those you know art bell made uh, a career out of these people saying you know they were brought aboard a spaceship and so forth but i'm curious how if the numbers are moving or just uh, just what the data suggests 
Yeah, well, um, there's not a whole lot of longitudinal data on UFOs. It's not something that Gallup or like Pew Research follows decade after decade. But I did find a few snapshots that give you some sense. So there was a poll in, uh, in 1998 that said that about, or 1996, excuse me, that about 20% of people thought that UFO sightings were probably alien life. And then that number rose from about 20% to about 34% in 2022. And that was different polls taken by different organizations, but it does show a significantly larger share of the public sort of subscribing to the idea that all, that the sightings are evidence of something other than just people seeing military drones in the sky or whatever. And is it uh, broken out by maybe certain parts of the country? Um it's certainly something, you know, that is spotted more. You hear a lot of this, uh, I believe, a lot of times, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, uh, certain parts of the country as opposed to so much, maybe, say, the Northeast. Yeah, I, God, you know, I, I didn't find any disaggregated regional data. One thing that is a problem with, with surveys and polls, and you learn this the more you write about them, is that if you try to break it down into, like, age groups or regional groups or whatever, the numbers get to be too small. But what I did find is that, you know, I, I looked at a whole bunch of different surveys and a whole bunch of different polls, and it does look to me like, uh, you know, the, this this sort of wave of interest that began with, I think, a New York Times story in 2017 or 2018, uh, the, 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 the sort of revelation of the, the, the veritable secret government program, which sounds like an X-Files episode, um, that that prompted a definitely higher percentages of people being intrigued about UFOs, uh, thinking that the military reports of UFOs maybe prove something, right? Uh, or just that the, the pervasive feeling that the government knows more than it's telling us, which right. is that conspiracy theory, or maybe it's just sort of, uh, maybe healthy suspicion or skepticism of government, you know, but all of these numbers I think are, are ticking upward and all of the experts, I interviewed several of the big names in the field. They all agree that there seems to be some rising public sort of acknowledgement or acceptance of the idea that, you know, that maybe this stuff could possibly turn out to be real, you know, folks, we're speaking with Daniel DeVise of the Hill and the article that uh, he authored was the truth is out there. More Americans believe in UFOs. Daniel, I also wonder if because of now the amount of, um, you know, different, whether it's social media or just there's different spaces, uh, the way I would describe yeah. it, um, where people that do believe it want to find out more, discuss it. I think when you go back to the way the media was, you know, I, I, I would argue that whether it was ABC, you know, the big three or the New York Times, Washington Post, they weren't doing a lot of writings on this but now because of all the vast platforms where there are people that believe it want to discuss it um and and they're not you know dismissed as just kooks or people regarded as you know the woman that as i said the woman that sees elvis in the grocery store or the guy taken aboard the spaceship there's there seems to and i i wonder if you know it's almost become like a little more mainstream accepted and the person i also think of is Someone like an Elon Musk to me almost comes off as he kind of he almost makes it say, you know, it's OK to believe in this and talk about it. Well, there's a fascinating phenomenon in journalism, which is there's topics that are considered tabloid topics. Yes. And then there's topics that are considered mainstream. And so it, it was a watershed moment, for example. Uh, it has been a number of watershed moments when when issue topics like like Bill Cosby or Woody Allen, things like that have have crossed over from like the Inquirer and Star into the front pages of the New York Times and Washington Post. That's fascinating to watch. Yes. And here in this case, we saw no less than the New York Times kind of breaking the story of this government program, which is kind of a watershed moment. And although I will tell you that I was looking, watching the last few weeks as this hearing was approaching, my publication, The Hill, um, was writing more about it. I think that's because we had some op-eds we were publishing, so it wasn't our own reporters maybe covering it, but some op-eds talking about it. And they were getting huge readership. And the Times and the Post were doing nothing. And I noticed even when the actual hearing happened, uh, if you read the story, the coverage in the New York Times and Washington Post, it's kind of, it's light, it's it's short, it's kind of almost, you can feel there's some embar embarrassment sure. in them covering it. And they're kind of like tongue in cheek and, it's almost like you can tell it was painful for the New York Times to be covering this hearing. Um, and then if you, if you go overseas and look at the Daily Mail 
the Guardian did much more kind of relaxed, fun articles because for them it's not it's Britain covering something in the states, so they don't really care. But the, yeah, it's fascinating watching the way the mainstream media handles this stuff because it was literally the province of the weekly world news when I was growing up. It wasn't something you'd ever see in the New York Times or in really, I guess, Time Magazine could get away with doing a cover story. Are there aliens? But they could do it as this huge science topic, you know? Sure. Yeah, I've noticed that. You know what's interesting, Daniel, before I let you go is, so when I was in high school, I used to be a cashier at a grocery store, and I would watch the people, you know, very discreetly, all different types, as they're, you know, they would be grabbing the Inquirer almost as if they were getting a guide on what to do if you had VD type of thing. You know, they would slide it in with the groceries. But what's interesting, where I don't think they get enough credit is, see, to me, a watershed moment was the OJ case. The Inquirer actually broke a lot on the Simpson trial. Yeah. Um, and then to me, they were really the forerunner for TMZ to show, you know, it, it, they would kind of cross over and they would have some unusual stories. But to me, the Inquirer, they, they kind of morphed into like a page six. And some of their stuff, it, it did. You'd find it then mainstream. And then you would see it on Entertainment Tonight. And, you know, I like everyone else would dis- disregard it in my parents' You know, we were a two-paper family, meaning morning edition, afternoon. It wouldn't be allowed in the house. But um, the Inquirer, you know, they they were kind of the forerunner on that. Folks, again, hey, Daniel, how can people uh, read this story and other uh, stories that you've written? Well, the Hill, the Hill has written a lot on this because okay. it's, it's a matter of literal policy now, right? So the Hill has a bunch of stories on the UFO issue. Um, my stuff is under the headline, yeah, the truth is out there from the X-Files. If you t- if you Google that phrase, uh, you'll, you'll probably find the, the piece. And uh, But there's a bunch of good stuff. Right, I'm looking literally right now. Our number one most popular story is a monumental UFO scandal is looming. So we are <laughs> diving right into this. <laughs> I think that is great. Daniel DeVizet of The Hill. Daniel, excellent job. We'll talk to you again. And thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Anytime. Thanks. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, Propane Plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. The Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on Propane Plus. Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of the John DePietro Show. At Med Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center. All your medical needs, they're open seven days a week. Doctors and nurses, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, in Johnston, that's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week at Med Urgent Care. When you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to at Med Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be, at Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston and the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. 
can always listen online at the website, topetro.com. The story out of Warwick, I played the sound of this when it first happened, and I'm so glad. Now the uh, ACLU is now fighting for this activist, Rob Cody, what happened to him in Warwick. And uh, I want to play Channel 12 did a piece on it. Two free Very good. Organizations are lashing out at the Warwick City Council after a resident was escorted out by police during public comments. This is about city government. It, it's actually mentioned about the war. Did you hear what council. I just said? Target 12 investigator Kate Wilkinson has why the person at the center of the conflict is now considering legal action. Good. It took less than a minute for Rob Cody to be kicked out of a city council meeting here at Warwick City Hall. Now he's talking with the ACLU of Rhode Island as he contemplates taking this to court. Good. First, I'd like to congratulate Councilwoman Travis for another front page of the Providence Journal. You will be talking about city government or you'll be leaving. Rob Cody was planning to discuss an article about a property dispute involving Councilwoman Donna Travis, but he didn't get very far. This is about city government issues. We have uh, an elected official. Okay, somebody want to take him out? Listen to that lady. You know this is going to be the done. ACLU. This is about... You, do, you get away with it every well, month. You're not going to do it with me. Target 12 reached out to Councilwoman Travis for an interview, but did not hear back. Cody says he's butted heads before with Travis, but he's never been kicked out. She clearly doesn't understand that as an elected official, every single thing that you do is open to public scrutiny because of the fact you're a public figure and you're an elected official. The ACLU of Rhode Island Executive Director Stephen Brown believes Cody has a legitimate First Amendment claim. If they have harsh words about a public official, they have the right to say them. Obviously, they don't have the right to actually disrupt the meeting. Uh, but that's not what happened, uh, you know, in looking at the video. No lawsuit has been filed, but the ACLU of Rhode Island and the New England First Amendment Coalition sent the council this letter Wednesday, urging them not to make the same mistake again. NEFAC Executive Director Justin Silverman says the city council and Councilwoman Travis should apologize. Reassure the public moving forward that their rights to free speech and their ability to comment about matters of uh, public interest and related to the city council itself will be respected and uh, protected. Last check, both organizations say they have not heard from Travis or the city council in response to their letter. With the Target 12 investigators, Kate Wilkinson, 12 News. I think I have the full, um, folks, it, it, it's atrocious government. I mean, the, the, the woman was the subject of he was saying front page story in the providence journal true and they immediately not only cut him off but then have him escorted out by police ken block was um, very outspoken at least on not well used to be twitter x whatever we're calling it and saying that um you know warwick has terrible local government no one stepped up no one stepped up and said hey wait a minute you know, uh, you got to let him talk. You shouldn't be doing that. No one did it. They allowed him to be kicked out. Warwick, as I've said, Warwick also has that um, uh, Bacchus on the school committee got nailed on the DUI. This woman, Travis, should not be in a position of authority. So I do have, I know I have the video of his encounter in Rob Cody, you can hear he's actually, you know, he's professional. Here it is. He uh, was escorted out of Warwick City Hall. Here we go. So, another front page of the Providence Journal. You will be talking about city government, or you'll be leaving. This, so this is about stick city to government. the topic of city government, it is or city else government. you'll be escorted out. This is about city government. It, it's actually mentioned about the war. Did you hear what council. I just said? How? Okay. I don't care. Any one of the council people, you do not take attack to. Stick to a city government issue, and then we'll go forward. Okay. This is about city government issues. We have uh, an elected official. Okay. Somebody want to take him out? Wow. Somebody want to take you know him this out? Is He's all done. ACLU. He's all done. This is about... You, do, you get away with it every well, month. You're not going to do yeah. it with me. Wow. You're leaving now. I'm sure he can read. Go. Travis, uh, another front page of the Providence Journal. 
Folks, you will be talking about city government. They so they had the police escort him out of there. I mean, it's beyond the pale of outrageous. But in a, I mean, granted now, uh, two organizations have stepped forward. There should be a lawsuit here, but there's a a larger issue here. This she should that woman should not be in charge. Um, and and what's more disturbing is that no one stepped up to his defense. Stepped up. You have, she is, he was saying, front page story in the Providence Journal. All true. It wasn't even, and I want to be clear about this. This was not someone that just goes up and starts making, you know, blind accusations and attacks. Um, all of it was, all of it was um, in line. So Ken Blockett said the Rhode Island ACLU weighed in. Uh, trampling on First Amendment right to speech. Donna Travis had him ejected for criticizing her during a public comment period. Asked the police to escort him out. So it's he writes, Ken Blocknow, uh, it's galling every attorney in the city council chamber stayed silent the night his rights were massacred. From the council's attorney to lawyers who have council seats, no one stepped in to right the clear wrong committed. Why did no one step in? Is the counsel and the attorney so cowered by Warwick's power structure they were afraid to speak truth to power? Well, that's exactly what it is. How about as the counsel's animus towards Cody so great they're willing to ignore the unconstitutional actions taken by the counsel that night? They've done nothing publicly to right the wrong committed against a, a, you know, a city activist. Warwick's government is among the worst, this is Ken Block now, among the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> City's unaccountable for most of its heinous actions for decades. Let's hope this time some justice gets served. It is, um, folks, again, listening to that woman, that's it. Somebody escorted him out. You know, it goes on from there. I didn't play it, but she's then saying, goodbye. You're out of here. Bye. No, you're not. It's public comment. There was a front page story. I want to be clear about this. It's not like he's saying I heard or just starts going into some vendetta or personal attack or for whatever reason. It's nothing like that. Um, he's citing that the person who's yelling having him ejected was the subject of a front page story in the state newspaper. And they wouldn't allow him to to bring it up and had him ejected i hope he does bring legal action i hope he's successful folks you're listening to the john DePietro show it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland diagonally across from davenport restaurant stop in and see marie that historic white church shop local inside all quality products vitamins herbal remedies trusted companies they understand quality integrity it's my health. It's all about your health. Local products. I say honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it in C. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Now, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Well, the Congressional District 1 race, at least on the Democrat side, heating up, especially now. They're really going after this Aaron Ruggenberg. And, folks, the hypocrisy, it's, it's really just disgraceful what is happening in the race, and especially with these PACs. The story I'm talking about, congressional rivals attack Aaron Regenberg as a privileged rich kid supported by a super PAC. Patrick Anderson, Rhode Island's congressional candidates, 
even those getting significant help from their own from outside groups, attacked Aaron Regenberg, receiving support from a super PAC funded by his family. The sharpest attack came from the left, where a segment of progressives have argued the leading progressive really isn't one of them. He stacked up the endorsements from D.C. bigwigs. He held high-priced fundraisers in Newport mansions. Now he's had his wealthy father-in-law throw more money at a single piece of mail than most Rhode Island families make in a year, said State Senator uh, Anna Quista in a blistering attack. Don't play cute with us, Aaron. We see you for who you are, a privileged right, rich kid, no real job experience, who's co-splaining man of the people. Well, he is. He is. Um, he he's a trust fund student from Brown University. At the center of the dispute is a pro Regenberg mailer distributed to voters this week, paid for by Progress Rhode Island, featuring comic book style graphics describing the former Providence State Rep as Rhode Island's proven progressive champion. Progress Rhode Island's top donor is James Selinsky, global head of fixed income at Janison Head Investments, who contributed $125,000 in June. He's Regenberg's father-in-law, according to WPRI. The other donor to Progress Rhode Island giving $5,000 is Erica Ruggenberg, Ruggenberg's mother. This is the super PAC. Political opponents have attacked the Brown University educated trust fund privileged Ruggenberg, coming from a background of privilege since at least his 2018 run for lieutenant governor. Election laws allow unlimited contributions to super PACs, such as Progress Rhode Island formed to make, quote, independent expenditures supporting political campaigns and not coordinated with the campaigns. That allows the donors to give PACs to give more than the 3300 which is the, the normal limit. Ruggenberg made lim- has made limiting the influence of money part of his campaign, <laughs> taking a pledge not to accept donations from corporate PACs or lobbyists. I'm opposed to super PAC spending the moment I entered politics, he said. I oppose it in this race. I'll fight it in Congress. I'm proud of my record. I've had no coordination with my mother and father-in-law. Gabe Ammo, another Regenberg's first district opponents, questioned whether it's possible for there to be no coordination when it comes from family members running for office. The opportunity to serve in Congress should be limited to candidates with exceptionally wealthy families. Yeah, tell that to Seth Magaziner, Chafee, and Clayboy Pell. I'm concerned my opponents expect Rhode Islanders to believe there's no coordination between his campaign and the super PAC entirely funded by his immediate family. <laughs> Emma was getting support from Democrat Sir, which is running an ad saying he has the experience we need in Congress. That PAC um, reported 36000 spent uh, in support of him last month. Sabina Matos had no comment about the PAC. Matos is getting help from another outside group in the campaign. The Congressional Hispanic Caucus released an ad that said, Rhode Island needs a fighter, a progressive champion, Sabina Matos. We also need someone to get signatures from dead people. The PAC's also doing a mailer for Matos. In a late July fundraising email, the Ruggenberg campaign had this to say about the super PACs. Super PAC money has started pouring into our race. In fact, one super PAC just booked over 300000 in TV advertising for our opponents. That's a lot of outside spending. And here's the issue with super PACs. They, they're way more aggressive in their mudslinging. Again, that's um, from Ruggenberg. Well, folks, you also have, by the way, this is one of the reasons. The spending I just mentioned to you, if you take away this special election, those television stations... They, in fact, without question, I mean, think of the benefit they're getting from 
this special election, and more importantly, what they're, how they're benefiting, I should say, from the television advertising. So now I, I would argue, other than the news, and by the and news watching is television news is way off, but I I would argue that this is part of the they continue this mantra that you know you have to be on television and you got to do that and they don't um they're not even they're not even addressing the fact someone to watch is this Stephen Casey the Woonsocket rep he's got the free shot he's he's not showing up at forums i've been told that they are um just completely going with the ballot harvesting and and i i hope they are <laughs> i want someone to win who completely ignores the process and just ballot harvest because then maybe then maybe then people would then take it serious and realize that something needs to be done in order to reform the system we already know who it's not going to come from it's not going to come from the Rhode Island Republican Party, but the outside groups that are now pouring money into this um, race for for CD one, the Cicilline seat. Uh, that, but that I want to see that play out. Where I mean, think about that. That is, it is absolutely ridiculous that Regenberg. There's not supposed to be any coordination with these PACs. And the super PAC is his father-in-law and his mother. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny in a way. Uh, you know, it fits the campaign. You know, if Matos is going to have dead people signing her form, then it, it sure sounds like all bets are off. So, you know, they may not like it, but uh, there doesn't seem to be anybody being a stickler for the rules here. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Falcon Pest Services, when you have a pest problem, give them a call. Serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services, residential or commercial, whether it is for maybe you have some kind of a termite problem, bed bugs, ants, roaches. Listen, a mice problem. Mice can be problematic. Rats, mosquitoes, many other pests. Falcon Pest Services, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, all different types of programs, multifamily housing, condos, apartments, single-family homes, restaurants, office buildings, highly trained, experienced pest control technicians. Maybe it's once a year. Maybe it's a one-time treatment, monthly service, quarterly, or year-round protection. You can depend. Falcon Pest Services. Call them today for a free quote, 401 739 1322. Get your yard sprayed. Get rid of those mosquitoes. Falcon Pest Services. Call today, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services. You can also find them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. All right. With all the drama, there he was. Well, as far as we know, he did address the media afterwards. Of course, I'm talking about uh, President Trump, and yet indictment number three, and still going strong, and there's obviously still a lot of um, talk about it. But let's uh, pick up some of the latest now. He pled not guilty, as you can imagine. It was another surreal day. Yeah. Thursday's hearing a dramatic sign that the legal drama about Trump's role on January 6th is now fully engaged with the stakes and tension incredibly high. This morning, former President Donald Trump released on bond under specific conditions set forth by a federal magistrate, including that he must not communicate about the facts of the case with anyone Trump knows to be a witness except through his counsel. On Thursday, Trump returning to the nation's capital not as president, but as an accused criminal, waving as he stepped off his plane at Reagan National Airport on his way to the most significant arraignment in American history charged with attempting to remain in power even when he knew he had lost the election. His motorcade driving through an underground garage out of the sight of onlookers lining the streets. Inside that courthouse, the former president was processed. He was not placed in handcuffs and there was no mugshot taken. 
Authorities deeming it unnecessary because he's one of the most photographed men in the world. His fingerprints taken and his personal information recorded. The arraignment described as routine, though the defendant and the charges are anything but. Just before 4 p.m. on Thursday, Trump entering a large courtroom on the second floor to appear before a federal magistrate. Already inside, federal prosecutors and special counsel Jack Smith himself off to the side. Flanked by his attorneys at the defense table, the former president looking around the room, at one point staring directly at Jack Smith. The two face-to-face -face for the first time since June 13th, his last arraignment, Trump clasping his hands at the table. He had to wait for over 20 minutes before the judge entered the courtroom and the case was announced. The United States of America versus Donald J. Trump. Oh. After he was sworn in, the judge requesting Trump say his full name and his age, 77. The judge then reading the charges, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, specifically the January 6th certification of the election results, obstruction and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights to deprive people of their right to vote and to have their votes counted. Standing, Trump himself pleading not guilty to each of those counts, as he has to every charge he's faced. Each count carrying a maximum of up to 5 to 20 years in prison, the hearing taking just under 30 minutes. Also in the courthouse, Capitol Police Officers Harry Dunn and Aquilino Gonell, and D.C. Metro Police Officer Daniel Hodges, who was pinned between two doors on January 6th as rioters entered the Capitol, telling us they were there as citizens just to see justice served, blaming the former president for inciting the riot with his words. It's a, uh, a necessary step on the road, the path to justice and accountability. But it was good to see uh, former President Trump facing accountability just like any other person in this country would if they committed the crimes that he did. The most consequential case ever brought by the Department of Justice will ultimately be heard by U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin, who has delivered some of the most serious sentences to defendants charged in connection with January 6th. Trump's motorcade quickly leaving the way he came heading back to the airport before taking off from New Jersey from speaking from the tarmac in the rain. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. The next hearing is scheduled for August 28th. The case now moves forward, inching closer to a jury who will decide whether Donald Trump is a victim of a political witch hunt or a rogue president who tried to illegally steal an election that he lost. I mean, all right, I want ne nearly two thirds of Americans think that the charges are serious. Let me hear this part. Good morning, Eva. Yeah, we are seeing a real shift here in how Americans are responding to this indictment compared to the previous two. Our new ABC News Ipsos poll showing that Americans are taking this more seriously. So take a look at these numbers. Two-thirds of the country, 65%, think the charges related to January 6th are serious. Now, former President Trump, of course, is arguing that he is the victim of a politically motivated prosecution, but just over half, 52% of Americans think the former president should have been charged with a crime in this case. With 49% saying Trump should suspend his presidential campaign. Now, as expected, we are seeing the typical party line divides. But when it comes to those critically important independent voters, we are seeing an 11 point jump in the number who see this indictment as serious compared to the previous indictment related to Trump's handling of classified documents. Both Trump and President Biden, though, remain disliked. Their favorability underwater. Trump at 30%, Biden not much higher at 33%. Eva. All right, Mary Bruce Forrester, thank you. And be sure to tune in Sunday to this week. George will be speaking with Donald Trump's attorney, John Laro, about their legal defense strategy. Oh, good. good. All right, he's going to need one. He's going to need one. Um, I don't know. I, But I, I also wonder how much of this is really, like, I, I, I'm not convinced that it is truly, truly sinking in with, with people partly because we've seen this before we've heard it before um and and on top of that it is the summertime so the fact you couldn't see inside the courtroom there's a lot of drama leading up to it i don't know how much talk there's going to be about it there's nothing new here either and i think there's a lot of 
Why I don't, I don't think this is particularly an interesting conversation is because I think that people's minds are already made up on this. So um, I think there's, there's larger issues that people are focused on. And the fact that this has been looming out there and there was no, right, it wasn't a shock. Um, it's still the unusual nature of it. But it certainly is not a situation, I think, that, you know, just completely caught people off guard. I'll tell you what is interesting is how about these two U.S. Navy sailors arrested spying for China? This is, a, to me, a bigger story. Are part of what federal officials tell me is a brazen and expanding effort by Chinese spies at recruiting U.S. military personnel to steal defense secrets. Now, prosecutors say 26-year-old Navy sailor Jin Xiao Wei gave his Chinese handler information regarding the defense and weapons capabilities of U.S. Navy ships, as well as potential vulnerabilities of these ships. Prosecutors say he handed over information as recently as this week. Now, he faces espionage charges. The other sailor, 26-year-old Wei Jing Xiao, allegedly sold photographs of diagrams of a U.S. military radar system in Japan, as well as precise operational details about an upcoming mm. naval exercise in the Pacific. Xiao is charged with conspiracy and taking bribes. Now, both of the suspects have pleaded not guilty, and officials tell me there's no evidence at this point that they were coerced. In both cases, the DOJ tells me the motive appears to be financial they were paid thousands of dollars with and happening at a time with increased tensions between the two countries matt gutman good morning you know that is um think how serious that is folks think how serious that is and i just wonder do people have faith in our justice system when then you're hearing i mean that's real espionage that's treason um what's the point of having all the safeguards and security that we have if then you have American military selling our secrets and selling that highly sensitive information to someone that certainly sees us as an enemy, as a right, and more than just a, not a competitor, but as an enemy. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Rhode Island election officials blame time constraints. That's why we didn't vet the names tied to the signature scandal. All right, this is the report. Let's get the latest from uh, Eyewitness scandal. News, Target 12. Race. State election officials met today behind closed doors to discuss the questions surrounding signatures submitted by the Sabina Matos campaign to get on the ballot after they declined to take further action, saying the Matos campaign had enough signatures to qualify, despite some people who say their names were forged. But members of the Board of Elections acknowledged if they had more time to review signatures, they would have. We had that seven days. We had to review it all. Yes. So we had that the, opportunity. We had a time problem. Okay. Yeah. We're dead. We're that, might, that might make people feel uneasy uh, right now about how things stand. If you're saying if we had the time, we would have done more, but we don't have the time, so we can't do more. But people for sure should feel confident that the system works. Board members say they were on a tight deadline to approve the ballot so it could be sent out to military members overseas. The Attorney General's office is conducting a criminal investigation into the matter. You know what's a shorter timeline? You know what's a shorter timeline? Election night. Election night. Folks, that should show you and that should foreshadow a warning. If they're rushing through that, if they're rushing through the signatures, they feel they don't have enough time. They only had, and they had seven days. Then what about all this, you know, the night of they're announcing the winner of the election. Seven days for signatures is not enough time. Yet they feel they can call and accurately call an election within hours of the, I mean, don't they make the argument right there that our elections are not secure? that people should not have faith in our election system? I think they make the strongest argument right there. They make the stronger argument that it is time constraints. Oh, if just push it through. Uh, it looks okay. It's probably fine. 
That's how the fraud gets through. That's the Board of Elections. Tim White, people should feel, you know, don't you think people might feel uneasy about this? It's because you didn't have enough time. There were time constraints. It was time. We just didn't have time. That's why we could investigate. What about the night of an election when they announce? And the winner is, boom. Suddenly, you know, Channel 10 projects Sabina Matos is the winner. It's done by design. It's not to get the accurate result that we all want. I believe the time constraints are put in there by design. And they basically confirmed it. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Limitless Outdoors. Why do they call it Limitless Outdoors RI? Well, because it's limitless what they could do for your home, for your property. Call today for a free quote, 401 580 1852 limitless outdoors remember their slogan dream build enjoy it starts with a discussion how you'd like to use your outdoor space they can design your outdoor space to fit your aesthetics and lifestyle they specialize in patios walkways steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installation excavation limitless outdoors they can also update your indoor fireplace Call today, free consultation, free quote, 401-580-1852. You can also find them on Facebook, and then their website is LimitlessOutdoorsRI.com. How about an outdoor kitchen? Call them today, Limitless Outdoors, 401-580-1852. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food, and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. This portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's lawndoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code. Your best lawn ever. Guaranteed. It's Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. You can call them 401-392-1025. But log on to their website. LawnDoctor.com. 